it is wonderful to be among such great people. Amen. We have a very good crowd today. It's so good to see all of you. And what a privilege and blessing it is for us to be together with the privilege of worshiping our God. We had a great study during Bible classes, thankfulness, the expression of a great congregation. And that's our theme this week, what makes a great congregation? And we're going to look at a number of important characteristics that will help you here in this congregation to become better, to become more like God would have you to be. The same is true for us over in Arab, and the same is true for every congregation. And sincere, genuine people want to improve. And I know that's who I'm talking to today. And so let's have another great study together during this Bible hour on what makes a great congregation. And our topic is faithful attendance. Faithful attendance is the hub of a great congregation. Everything centers around attendance. That's the way it works. We draw close to God and stay close to God. We are urged to take care of our sins and stay in God's forgiveness. We learn of one another's needs and develop a wonderful fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ. We cannot please God without faithful attendance. And it should be the delight of our lives. I had the privilege, and some of you that are older will recognize this name. Some of you that are younger will not recognize this name. But I had the privilege when I was at Lipscomb to study under a man that had an unusual name, Batsel Barrett Baxter. He was the head of the Bible department at Lipscomb. And at that time, Brother Baxter was the most well-known man in the entire church. He had a nationwide television program called the Herald of Truth that came out of Abilene, Texas. Brother Baxter was one of the greatest men that I have ever known. Even though he was so famous, he was humble, kind, gentle, a real servant to everyone. And he taught me a lot of things that I have kept with me over the years. And one day in one of our preacher's classes, he was talking about worship, and he said, Young man, I want you to realize that in a lifetime of 70 years, there are 10 years of Sundays. 10 years of Sundays. And if you worship God faithfully, every Sunday, think what that's going to do to your life. And you know, I'm not 70 yet, but I'm close. And Batsel Baxter had it right. 
It has made all the difference in the world in my life. And it will do the same to your life. That's the reason faithful attendance is the hub of a great congregation. I want you to consider these points as we study this great thing today. First of all, Bible classes afford us a great opportunity to increase our knowledge of God's Word, and this is essential to a successful Christian life. There's so many in the church today that treat Bible classes as if they're optional. They go if it's convenient. They don't go if it's not convenient. They don't take them seriously. They don't bring their children to Bible classes regularly. It's so tragic what's happening in the church today about faithful attendance in Bible classes. We need to think seriously about the great opportunity we have in Bible classes to increase our knowledge of God's Word. And in doing that, we learn of God's will for our lives. Let me give you some examples of this. Moral values are constantly taught in our Bible classes. Do we need that in the church today? Do we need that in our society today? In our lifetime, we have never seen immorality like it is today. It's glorified. It's publicized. It's out in the open. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be like this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, that's what we learn in Bible classes. Don't be like the world. If you're a woman, be virtuous. If you're a man, be godly. Provide the leadership your family needs to walk in the steps of Jesus Christ. The holy state of matrimony is another thing that's constantly emphasized in our Bible classes. And again, we all know the condition of our society and what our society is doing to God's plan for marriage. The norm now is for people to just live together. Even members of the church living together without any shame whatsoever. Today we see, quote, same-sex marriage is glorified. I don't even like to say those words because there's no such thing as same-sex marriages. Homosexuality is taught over and over again as an acceptable lifestyle and you can hardly turn on a program on television or go to the movies where there's not some illusion to homosexuality being acceptable and a good way to live. 
Children are being raised in this same-sex environment. It's tragic what's being done to the American home. Do we need teaching? Yes, we need teaching. Do we need to get back in Bible classes? Do we need to get back into worship? Do we need to get back to our Bibles? Yes, we do. You know, the Pharisees asked Jesus in Matthew 19, verse 3, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for every cause? For any reason? That's the way we're living in America. Just any reason. Any cause. Jesus answered that. He said, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. One man, one woman, till death separates them. Romans 7 and verse 2. That's God's plan. And a few verses later in Matthew 19, He gave the only exception. Fornication. Illicit sexual intercourse. The guilty party being put away by the innocent party for the reason of fornication. That's the only exception. And we need to understand that. And so, no, it's not lawful for a man to divorce his wife for every cause. And we need to constantly emphasize in our Bible classes and in every opportunity we have the holy state of marriage. Good citizenship is also taught in our Bible classes. Do you want your children to grow up and be good citizens? Obviously so. But again, if you ask me, the one thing that's missing in our society more than anything else, you know what I'd give us the answer? Respect. A lack of respect. There is a lack of respect for God and then that just covers every other area. It just trickles right on down. There is a lack of respect for authority. There's a lack of respect for anyone that's in charge. There's a lack of respect for human life. No one wants to hear that word submit. Whether it refers to good citizenship or something else. And in 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14... Peter said, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by God for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. See, these areas show us why Bible classes are so important, why attending every Bible class is so important. When you are teaching moral values and you are teaching the holy state of marriage and you are teaching good citizenship, you are obviously teaching the most important things of God. The golden rule. It's also emphasized over and over again as the standard for our relationships with others. Did you know if everyone would just practice the golden rule it would change our society in a split second did you lock your car when you came in the building this morning why would you do that 
habit. Maybe, but mainly you thought someone might break into it. Someone might steal something. What is the golden rule? Matthew 7 and verse 12. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I'm going to treat you just like I want to be treated. You're going to treat me just like you want to be treated. That's what everyone does. Think what that would do for our world. We wouldn't wake up and hear of a policeman being shot and killed. We wouldn't read about a woman being kidnapped and found raped and murdered in some park. We wouldn't read about children being abused. We wouldn't read all this bad news that we hear over and over again in our society. No, everyone would just treat one another like they want to be treated and it would be a wonderful world to live in. That's what we teach in the church. That's what we teach in our Bible classes. We also emphasize the value of our soul. That's at the heart of every lesson in our Bible classes. You have a soul that's the most important thing in the world. Your soul being saved It's why Jesus left heaven and came to earth and died on the cross for your sins. And we don't only emphasize our souls, do we? We emphasize the souls of others and what we need to do to help them be saved and go to heaven. What did Jesus ask in Mark 8, 36 and 37? We all know it. But what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We know the answers to those questions. The soul is priceless because it is eternal. Nothing in this world, everything in this world, does not compare to the value of my soul and your soul and that precious child sitting next to you or that precious child you're holding in your arms. That's the reason Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, and 16, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why every creature? Because every creature has an eternal soul and that soul is lost without Jesus Christ and His gospel. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned or shall be condemned. Why? There's so many in the church treat Bible classes as if they're not important. We beg and we plead with one another to attend Bible classes. We beg with parents to bring their children to Bible classes. Yes, Bible classes afford us a great opportunity to increase our knowledge of God's Word. And this is essential to a successful Christian life. Now, I don't know anything about you personally. But let me say this to you. If you are not attending Bible classes regularly, you are making a serious mistake. 
you need to hear over and over again moral values. Because all you're hearing in this world is immoral. That which is opposed to God. That which lives to fulfill the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. That which is based on the pride of life. We need to be taught moral values. And we need to be taught the sanctity of marriage and God's plan for marriage. We need to be taught good citizenship. And we need to be taught to live the golden rule sincerely in our lives. And we need to be reminded constantly about the value of our souls and the value of other souls. Let me ask you this question before we pass from this point. How's your soul doing today? Do you think you're right with God? Do you think if you died today you'd go to heaven? Do you think if Jesus came again today and judged you, He would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Have you been emphasizing the right things? How much have Bible classes and worship been meaning to you in your life on a weekly basis? Have you been showing by your life that your focus is really on the things of God? See, faithful attendance, whether it's Bible class or worship, is the hub of a great congregation. It's what our families need. It's what our families must have. It's what keeps us close to God and close to one another. It's what builds strong congregations. Now let's talk about worship. Let's talk a little bit more in detail about those ten Sundays of worship. If we live to be seventy. Let's talk about the greatness of the items of worship. And what they do for us. See, worship affords us the special opportunity to pour out our hearts. That's what we're doing today. We are pouring out our hearts in love and adoration to God with a sincere desire to examine our relationship with Him and draw closer to Him. That's what we're doing here today. That's how important our worship is. The Lord's Supper and what a blessing it was to partake of it just a moment ago. The Lord's Supper reminds us of what God has done for us. Think about that. When we partake of that unleavened bread, we are being reminded and we are remembering the unleavened body, the sinless body of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross of Calvary bearing our sins in His body. 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. And when we partake of the fruit of the vine, we are being reminded. We are remembering His precious blood without blemish and without spot 
that He shed for us on the cross so we can have the forgiveness of sins. Think about that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And please remember that this belief, that this faith is an obedient faith. Paul said in Romans 16 and verse 26 that the gospel was made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. When we believe in Christ, we take everything about Christ seriously. We take His sacrifice seriously. We take what He tells us to do seriously. We gladly become Christians. We repent and are baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. And we gladly serve Him daily in His church, working and laboring for His cause. I love 1 John 4 and verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are emphasizing the fact that God the Father sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. And He was willing to endure one of the most cruel forms of torture ever known to the human race for us because He loves us so much. Singing teaches and praising. We really have some beautiful singing today. Bible classes and worship. And everyone has really been singing out. When we sing, we're teaching one another and we're praising our God. Ephesians 5 and verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Oh, it's such a privilege for us to assemble for worship and to join our voices together in teaching one another, in teaching others, and praising our God for all He has done for us. See, look at what worship does. Preaching exhorts us to better lives and greater service. In Acts 20 verse 7 we read of the church of Troas and Paul and his company being there. And upon the first day of the week, that Sunday, that's today, when the disciples came together to break bread, that was the purpose of their assembly. That's the reason we know the first century church observed the Lord's Supper every Sunday. The purpose of the Lord's Day worship is to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ through observing the Lord's Supper. So upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, to observe the Lord's Supper, Paul preached unto them, read to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech unto midnight, or until midnight. See, preaching, the teaching of the gospel, 
He exhorts us to be like God would have us to be. To make our lives better and to use our lives to greater serve Jesus Christ. When Paul was writing to the young preacher Timothy, and this was just a short while before Paul was beheaded under the reign of Nero Caesar in about 68 AD, he told Timothy, preach the word. That's what preachers are to do. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke. Oh, people don't like being reproved and rebuked. But that's what Paul said we ought to do. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Why? The next verse says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. A lot of people today in the church that don't want to hear sound doctrine. They want to do whatever they want to do religiously and not commit themselves to the truth of the gospel. But preaching, just like singing and the Lord's Supper, is so important to our lives. Giving proves our love and thankfulness. When you gave a few moments ago, in essence, you were saying, Lord, I love you and I am thankful to you for what you have done for me. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 24, Paul was talking in that chapter about the church at Corinth giving like the sacrificial churches of the Roman province of Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. He's challenging them to be just like those congregations. And he said, show the proof of your love. And then in the next chapter, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, he said, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And a cheerful giver is a person that is showing his love for God and is showing his thankfulness to God by his liberal giving on Sunday, the first day of the week. You see how important worship is to our lives? The things it teaches, the things it reminds us of, the things it does for us? Prayer. What about prayer? Oh, we've had some beautiful prayers today, haven't we? So meaningful. Prayer gives us the opportunity to actually speak to God. You know, I think sometimes as children of God, we need to just stand back and we need to try to comprehend the greatness of what it means for me as a child of God to be able to speak to God and call Him my Father and know that He will hear my prayer. Wow. That's something, isn't it? That I can speak to my Father in heaven and He hears my prayers. Prayer gives us the opportunity to actually speak to God 
about ourselves, others, and the great work of the church. Go back to Acts 2 and verse 42. The church has just begun in verse 41 with about 3,000 of those Jews repenting and being baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. The next verse says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, joint participation, breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and then the fourth one, and in prayers. They continued steadfastly in praying. And you know, just like I do, over and over in the Bible, we read of how those men and women of God prayed and prayed and prayed. The Hebrew writer simply said in Hebrews 13 verse 8, and what a beautiful statement this is. Pray for us. I like that. Pray for us. I want people to pray for me. You want people to pray for you. Everyone needs our prayers. Pray for us. So think about how faithful attendance is the hub of a great congregation. Think about what's going on when we faithfully attend Bible classes with our families. Think about what's going on when we faithfully attend the worship services with our families. Think what it means to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper and to sing and to hear the Gospel preached and to be able to give and to be able to pour out your heart in prayer to God. greatest blessing in all the world is to be able to worship God. We must never, never forget that. The great need in the church today is for every family to dedicate themselves to faithful attendance. Neglect is destroying spirituality and killing the church. We all must see our need of faithful attendance in Bible classes and worship. Let us examine ourselves. Let us do better. Let us build our relationship with God. Let us build this congregation. Remember, faithful attendance is the hub of a great congregation. So think about you and your family today. Has this been the emphasis of your life? Has this been number one? Has this been most important? We need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the things that really matter. Thankfulness really matters. Faithful attendance really matters. We must never forget that. Those things make a great congregation. If you're not a Christian today, you need to be saved from sin. You need to change. You need to change your destiny. You need to repent and be baptized. If you are an unfaithful, lukewarm member of the church, You've not been dedicated to the Bible class. You've not been dedicated to worship. You've not had your priorities right. You need to repent of that and you need to come back. You need to rededicate yourself. You need to let us pray with you. 
for your forgiveness. We cannot put the Lord and His church on the back burner. The Lord and His church must be first. And that should be the joy of our lives. And that's the way it is when our hearts are in the right place. So today I have the privilege to extend the Lord's invitation. And what a privilege that is. He said, Come unto me, all you that labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you need that rest from sin today? If so, please come as we stand and sing.